1: Hey, AR Breakers, Welcome back to another Breakdown Bonus episode. Today, I'm joined by Katherine Ripley, LMSW. She is a trauma therapist that you can actually find on Instagram and TikTok if you're looking for content on how to handle your trauma. On Instagram, you can find her at therapy.with.Katherine or on TikTok, you can find her at therapy with Catherine. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Based off of my experience with talking to therapists like yourself, getting cheated on is a really traumatizing thing. It's not just something that we just throw out there. The one thing I hear a lot from people, especially Especially in just this interview that we're referencing for this week. Leaving someone that's cheated on you is a hard thing. Why is
0: that? I would even go as far as to say that it is harder to leave a long term relationship than it is to stay in it even when there's been a major betrayal. And this is going to obviously depend on the person and on your attachment style and on your relational patterns. But we are social creatures and we are wired for connection with each other. And as adults, our primary attachment figure is often our romantic partner. You have built a really strong connection with this person. This relationship has been really important to you in so many ways. Leaving that, even when there's been a major betrayal like this, of course it's going to be difficult. It's not just that this person has done something that's been harmful to you, but there's probably really good aspects of that relationship for the duration of the time before the cheating happened or when you were not aware of it. You probably had a really great connection with this person in a lot of ways. And maybe you did it. And even if you did it, there's still gonna be other reasons why you chose to stay in that relationship, whether it was for you know some form of security, some form of protection, some form of comfort that you were getting from this person. And leaving that relationship means that you're gonna be giving that up. I say this to my clients all the time: like any change that you're making in your life It could be the best, most fantastic change that you're making for yourself, but there's still gonna be loss that comes with it. So walking away from that, there's gonna be loss and there's gonna be grief there. And grief is painful and we may not wanna go through that and that's understandable to not wanna go through that grief.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're choosing between two equally difficult positions, staying with somebody who has wronged you and is maybe continuing to wrong you or choosing to step out and to be alone which, like you said, mm-hmm. is so hard because we're mm-hmm. this is the most important person in your life and you're literally choosing to to walk away from that and all the good that comes with that relationship. But hey, especially in the interview that we're referencing this week, like she had children with this person. It's, it's so much more gray than it is black and white. You know, if somebody's choosing to stay like she did, can that almost be more harmful to you than it is leaving in terms of just from like a traumatic standpoint? That
0: is going to depend heavily on whether the person who cheated is willing to do the reparative work that is necessary to rebuild trust in that relationship. Because if that person is willing to do that work, if they're willing to take accountability for what they've done and really show up with empathy for how it's affected their partner and do the work to repair that rupture, then that can end up continuing on as a really good positive, healthy relationship. But if the person is not willing to do that work, then there could potentially be another layer of wounding there. Because then it's like, okay, I've been wounded by my partner betraying me. And then now my partner is not willing to take accountability for what they've done, or they're not willing to do the work or to really see the pain that I'm going through. And so that adds another layer of betrayal on top of that, which can deepen the wound that you're experiencing.
1: If somebody's listening and they've been cheating, it on and they're wondering, have I actually been traumatized by this experience? How does trauma show up in their body, in their mind after that experience? What are some symptoms they can look out for? Even before
0: I get to the the signs or the expressions that you might see outwardly, there's a really simple definition of trauma. And and this is what Dr. Gabor Mate actually uses. and, And he says, trauma is not what happens to you. Trauma is the wound inside of you that forms as a result of what happened to you. If you feel wounded by this experience, then you can say that you've been traumatized by it. I'm not about gatekeeping, like who can say that they've been traumatized. If you feel wounded by this, then that is trauma. But if we want to talk about like more specific things that you might notice in yourself, there's kind of a really broad range of stuff that might happen. You may have a fear of the bad thing happening again, and that can matter as anxiety, avoidance, potentially avoidance of relationships, or even just like relating with people generally. You could experience intrusive thoughts or dreams about what happened. We call that re-experiencing. You could be living in a state of kind of like (laughs) hypervigilance and the opposite end of the spectrum is that is, you know, being hypo aroused is like the technical term that we use for it. So that looks more like withdrawal, maybe self-isolating, not doing things that you used to enjoy doing maybe a sense of despair coming in there and some people kind of oscillate in between those two extremes you know feeling like very withdrawn one day or like for you know some period of time then going into a period of more like feeling hyper aroused And that looks like anxiety, hypervigilance, feeling like you have to constantly watch for something bad that's happening. You know, any combination of those things put together or none of them. Trauma is very is very variable. It could look like just a struggle to put what happened in the past. Sometimes like when we talk about if we're doing like, you know, using like the EMDR framework for therapy, the the category is, you know, does it feel like it's still happening to you or does it feel like? it's over if it doesn't feel like it's over then that's a sign that you have more processing work that you need to do
1: would you say that you need to do the work before jumping into a new relationship or do you think this is something you can work on while continuing to date and put yourself out there
0: that is probably going to be different for everybody if my client like really wants to date like i'm not in the business of saying like no i don't think that you should do that what i will say is that one thing that you have to be mindful Of is that if you have been betrayed in a relationship, but then you have to be mindful of how that's going to affect the way that you're showing up with new people when you're meeting new people. So, does that mean that you're going to be hyper vigilant and you may be interpreting things that might not be a problem as a problem? Does it mean that you're going to be more withdrawn and maybe you're less likely to give somebody a chance? Like, at any sign of like the slightest trend transgression, you're like, nope, not doing this, not for me. Because that that can happen. Like, if you're still living with that unhealed wound inside of you, then it can impact your ability to be open to new people. And that openness is going to impact what level or depth of connection you are able to form with somebody. And I think that at the opposite end of the spectrum from this, there can be a kind of like case where the boundaries are too relaxed. The first example that I gave was kind of having like very firm boundaries or very rigid boundaries like don't come near me at the like slightest whiff that anything could be wrong in that situation but I think that at the opposite end of the spectrum you could have boundaries that are too relaxed and that could come from kind of a need to find another relationship in order for that relationship to fix the thing that did happen which is probably not going to work I mean we do heal through connection with other people don't get me wrong you know like I always encourage people to to reach out to their support system when they are going through any kind of wound healing because we're going to need our people to be in our corner when we're going through that journey. But sometimes what some people, like the trap that you can fall into is thinking, well, I'll just find another relationship in order to fix this wound that I have from this relationship that really didn't go well. That's potentially tricky because then maybe you're not being vigilant enough because you're just looking for something to replace it and not really feeling deeply into is this the right person for me? You know, am I vibing with them? Is it an energy match? So you have to take that into consideration as well.
1: That's so interesting that you bring that up because that's exactly what happened to the person that I interviewed this week where she was in a really young relationship and she yes. just on and then she jumped into this next relationship and she literally told me on the interview, she's like, I felt like if I dated this person, it would fix everything, it would right, right. all the wrongs. So it's interesting that it's not just an isolated issue, that this is something that obviously multiple on uh, multiple multiple people are experiencing. Something else that we've talked a lot on the podcast, and this is what I hear a lot from people who DM me, talk about their fears and in getting into new relationships after being cheated on, is they have a really hard time with learning how to trust again. Their trust has been broken. So mm-hmm. what's your take on that?
0: Yeah, that is so so valid to have difficulty trusting people. If you've been betrayed before, especially if you've been betrayed multiple times. I think that one thing I would say is that there is always a risk anytime we go into a relationship. None of us have a crystal ball. None of us can know what the future outcome is going to be. So we are inherently taking a risk when we choose to connect with somebody, any person in any kind of relationship. We do it because it's worth it for us. Like I said earlier, we're social creatures. We are wired to connect with each other. We come to a point where we decide, yes, there is a possibility that this person could betray me, because that's always a possibility. But I am going to choose to lower my defenses in order to connect with this person, because we can't be in defense and connection at the same time. If we're in defense, there's no connection. If we're in connection, there has to be lower defense. So let me be grounded in my why of, like, why I want to connect with somebody, why I want to have a relationship. So that's one part of it. And then the second part is that there has to be some very, very deep healing that happens in order for those defenses to be lowered. Our defenses are very important to us. Our protective parts are trying to safeguard us against being hurt again. When we do that very deep healing work to attend to that part that has been betrayed. By the way, that usually goes back to childhood. It doesn't usually start in adulthood with the infidelity in an adult relationship. That can bring it out more and kind of augment it. But that difficulty with trust usually starts in childhood. So it's going to involve some very deep healing. And when you can show up for that much younger, more vulnerable, wounded part of yourself and do that deep healing work, then what's naturally going to happen is that the defenses are naturally naturally going to come down because those protective parts of you, when they see that the wound is healing and that internally you have resilience, you have resources, you have stability within that system, then there's going to be less of a need to try to safeguard against every single person, against every potential bad thing that could happen. Your protective parts have to believe that even if you were to get hurt, you will be
1: okay. So I recently started going to therapy and I I find it very interesting that our childhood really does come out as an adult because I, mm-hmm. I think I had a pretty stereotypical childhood where maybe it wasn't perfect, but I definitely don't look back and go, I have trauma. But I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I have trauma. Is there like maybe a general or a common instance that would happen in somebody's childhood that would lead them to have those trust issues that would come out in romantic relationships? If you are somebody who does have a belief
0: of I can't trust anybody, it's most likely tracing back to in your childhood, a need not getting met, an essential need not getting met, whether that was for physical safety or emotional safety or nurturance or connection, some kind of need didn't get met in your childhood. And it could have been in a very subtle way, but like, it's, it's not necessarily like in a, in a glaringly obvious way. You know, I work with a lot of people where You know, like, there was no physical abuse in the family. There was no, like, substance abuse. Parent didn't have any, like, super obvious characteristics of a DSM diagnosis. But if there was a lack of connection, if there was a lack of emotional nurturance, just a lack of needs getting met generally, then that can result in the development of this core belief of, I don't think I can trust
1: anyone. For somebody who's jumping into a new relationship and some of those trust issues are coming out, whether it's from the betrayal or maybe it's coming out from like a childhood wound that hasn't been healed. What are some common triggers or responses that they might experience when learning to trust someone? What are some things they can be on the lookout for when getting into a relationship? You know, I worked with one client who her boyfriend cheated on her and she
0: actually chose to stay in that relationship. But the thing that was triggering for her is any time her boyfriend looked at his phone in front of her, because in that particular situation, the way that she found out about the infidelity was that there was a Tinder notification that popped up on his phone. And so that became her trigger, you know, after she chose to stay in the relationship was anytime he looked at the phone. I have another client, same situation, you know, her partner cheated on her. She chose to stay in the relationship. One of her triggers was anytime her partner would receive a phone call after 8 p.m., she would get triggered by that. That was specific to her situation and like the way that the infidelity happened happened in that relationship and who it was with. I think it's going to kind of vary depending on what experiences you're coming in with. Is it going to be something that is specific to the circumstances of how the betrayal happened? In that case, you want to kind of look at, okay, am I reacting to something that is really actually wrong in the present moment? Or is this my historical stuff that's coming in? With that, you have to have kind of like a burden eye view of the situation. Is this really a threat to me? You know, my my new person just like looking at his phone or receiving a phone call. Is that really a threatening situation? Is there something that's really wrong here? Or is this my unfinished business that's coming up?
1: What would you say is the hardest thing that patients who have experienced infidelity typically struggle with?
0: One of the difficult things to deal with is actually the negative beliefs about self. You may have negative beliefs about other people like I can't trust anybody and then that kind of gets directed towards other people who like want to come into your life but you have difficulty letting them in but there's also negative beliefs about self that can come up like I can't trust myself I couldn't pick the right partner how was I so stupid that I didn't know that this person was being unfaithful to me so there can be some negative beliefs about self that come up as a result of the betrayal that happened and there can also be negative beliefs about self that are more deeply rooted again like a lot of this goes back to childhood stuff I've worked with some clients where and sometimes like it It takes a long time to even get to this point where there's like a core belief of I don't deserve a better relationship than that. I don't deserve to have a partner who is faithful to me. And that kind of wound is just so, so deep that it takes so much intense work to even be able to get there and to even be able to say that out loud because there is so much shame that is attached to that and that is kind of like layered on top of that that the person is carrying. But I have seen that in a lot of Like, you know, particularly like when I've worked with clients who have stayed in the relationship, like after they experienced infidelity, there is that really deep core wounding there of like, you know, I'm worthless, so I don't deserve more than this. And again, like, I I don't want to generalize this too much, like sometimes staying in a relationship after infidelity could be the right decision. And that's perfectly fine for some people. But sometimes there is that view of self or like that part of you that views yourself as not being worthless of something
1: better yeah I can definitely attest to that just from the interview that came out this week It wasn't just like a, a disbelief that she deserved better she just thought well this is just how relationships are uh-huh. in a relationship very young and mm-hmm. just thought well this is just how it is my first partner cheated on me my second partner is a little bit better so this just must be like the right thing and something that was really heartbreaking about her story was she actually walked in on her partner and her best friend in the app. And I can imagine witnessing something is a huge wound that someone would have to overcome. What would you say to somebody who's maybe working through something where it's more than just like, Oh, I heard about him cheating, or maybe it was something where they actually like witnessed something happening?
0: That's going to add an extra layer because you actually have that visual memory of what happened. And so that could potentially cause a lot of intrusive thoughts. It could potentially trigger some avoidance about actually being in that place. Like even being in that room, being in that house could feel activating because of the fact that it happened there and you actually bore witness to it. I think that for something like that, again, like this depends on the client. Like not every client is a good candidate for this, but something like EMDR therapy can potentially be very good for that to actually desensitize that trigger because you can actually get somebody to a point where they can bring up that image. Like that is such a disturbing image. Like that's going to create so much disturbance in your body. But through EMDR therapy, you can actually get somebody to a point where they can bring up that image, they can visualize it, and they no longer feel any disturbance when they're picturing it.
1: For people who have like no idea about therapy or anything, what is EMDR therapy specifically? Yeah. So it stands for eye
0: movement desensitization and reprocessing. And basically what it does is is it uses what we call bilateral stimulation. So that basically means engaging two sides of the body. So you can do that by moving your eyes back and forth from right to left. And you can also do it by tapping, alternating shoulders right and left. And there are some therapists who will do it with like discs that vibrate that you hold in each hand where it vibrates right and then left and alternating back and forth. By using that stimulation on both sides of the body, it actually actually enables your brain to work in a different way as opposed to when you're just talking. And your brain can actually reprocess the memory so that it releases the pain that's attached to it and it releases the negative beliefs that are attached to it.
1: Wow, that is wildly fascinating. You know, I've heard about, you know, different types of therapy like cognitive behavioral therapy or even like electroshock therapy, but I've never heard of EMDR. That's really cool. You have given us a wealth of information on just like cheating and how to, overcome this trauma that so many people are experiencing, which I know is going to be incredibly helpful. Just on like a final note, just as sort of like a general takeaway for someone who wants to walk away from this podcast feeling a little bit better about the Mm -hmm. trauma, the wound that they've experienced. Is there anything that's been helpful to your patients? Maybe an affirmation or just something they can be thinking about to feel better about the situation? The
0: most important thing is to honor your feelings. Know that your feelings are valid no matter what. You have every right to experience them after what happened to you. Being able to honor your feelings and give them the space and the love and the kindness and the empathy that they deserve, that is where the true healing really happens. Well,
1: thank you so much, Catherine. Definitely check out all of her content on social media. Again, that's at therapywith.catherine on Instagram and at therapywithcatherine on TikTok. Thanks again.